It is great to see you all today. How many of you like your GPS? You know, I can remember when, they, when you just had them in your car, and it was really cool. It was really helpful to have your GPS. Now you got it on your phone. Isn't it great? I mean, I can sit in my recliner and figure out how to get to Bozeman, Montana, and to a specific street, right? It's really neat. Until, it's great until it leads you to the wrong place. Doesn't happen much, but it does occasionally, doesn't it? And sometimes, I'm not making this up. Cindy's phone and my phone disagree. I guess that's a husband-wife thing. You know, they know we're married, so they don't get along. And then Siri will get mad at you, and she'll stop speaking. Has that ever happened? That's a female thing, too, I guess. I'm just guessing. I don't know. But it's, uh, uh, I love the GPS. But uh, this morning, as we look at Christmas, we're going to be in Matthew 1 and 2, if you have your Bibles. We're gonna, we've been talking about what is Christmas about. And we're going to look at a part of Christmas that you may not have considered before. But Christmas is about God's guidance. In fact, a huge part of everything that unfolds in the Christmas story is about God guiding people to the right place at the right time for the right reasons. Now, the difference in in the GPS on your phone and the GPS from heaven, God's positioning system, is that God is always perfect and right. Now, if you're a a young person, old person, middle person, whatever, I, I want you to get to hold three things real quick. These three things, absolutely, you can boil everything down to three things, I believe. Know you're a Christian. Give your life to Christ. That settles your eternity. That gives you your foundation in life. Number two, grow in Jesus. Learn how to pray, read your Bible, be in church, and serve God. And number three, spend your life seeking God and finding God's will for your life. Because if you do those things consistently, you're going to be in great shape. And that's what we're talking about today is getting God's guidance. Let's begin with this. Sometimes you find yourself in a bad place. Sometimes you find yourself in a bad spot. It had nothing to do with you. Sometimes it had a lot to do with you. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes maybe even God engineered it. Look in chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. It's great right now. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before they, the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of of the Holy Spirit. How many of you think there's a problem there? Now, here's what we do. We sanitize the Christmas story. We, we see it through the lens of 2,000 years later. We've got to go back 2,000 years ago. I touched on this last week, so I'm going to review it real quick. In Jesus' day, where he was from in Galilee, the marriage process was a three-step process. You got engaged when you were eight years old. I guess that was part of kids' worship. They had a formal engagement party every year, okay? And then, so you're engaged, and then, then before you get married, before the marriage ceremony, there is the betrothed, the New Living Translation said today engaged, but pledged is a better concept, the pledge period, which was one year, and during that time, it's a strange th- thing, you're considered husband and wife. It can only be broken by death or divorce, like any legal marriage, but she lives at home with mom and dad, And he lives with his parents or somewhere else. He doesn't live with her. And there's to be no sex for that one year. And then at the end of that one year, they get married. It's during this time that she is found to be pregnant. And Joseph knows it's not his. Is that a problem? Wow. It's not to you. It would be to me. I mean, that is a... A, a really big deal. And folks, in fact, the first person who did not believe the virgin birth 
was Joseph. Now, he came to believe it later. People say, I don't believe in the virgin birth. The first person who didn't believe it was Joseph. He came to believe it afterwards. He was in a bad, bad spot. You may be in a really bad spot this morning with your marriage, your dating relationship with your finances. Maybe you're at a spot with your job that you don't play your cards well. You don't make right decisions. You won't have that job this time next year. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your friendships or your family, your kids or your parents. Some of you are in some bad spots this morning. Now, here's what wisdom says. Wisdom says, I may not be in a bad spot this morning, but I'm going to file away what I'm hearing because if I live long enough, I will be in a bad spot or a tough spot someplace in the future. You're there or you're going to be in a tough spot. You need help. Here's the second thing we see from the Christmas story. Sometimes you just don't know what to do next. It's not that you're maybe in a terrible spot, in a tough spot, but you just don't know what to do next. In chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Herod's a terrible person. That's going to be important later in our story. He'd been the king, kind of the king appointed by Rome of this area for 40 years. He had killed several of his wives. He had killed one of his mother-in-laws, and yes, that still is illegal. He had killed two of his sons when they came of age, were a threat to his throne. He is a bad, bad dude. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king, the king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. We don't know much about these wise men at all. We have a beautiful old hymn, We Three Kings of Orient Are. How many of you you know that, that hymn? It's a beautiful old Christmas carol. We have no idea if it was three or if it was 23. We have no idea if they were kings, and we have no idea what Orient Are is. But we love the song. We don't know anything about these guys except they were almost certainly astronomers. They were scientists. They were religious people seeking God. We don't know for sure where they came from. May have been Bithynia or modern-day Iraq. But a lot of scholars believe that these guys, listen to this, had possibly traveled over a 1,000 miles by foot, by camel, by donkey. Maybe this has been going on for over a year to try to find Jesus. Now, here's the great thing. They get to Jerusalem, which is four or five miles north of Bethlehem, and now they don't know what to do next. Apparently, cloud cover has come, and the star is no more. In life, sometimes, you may not just be in a terrible spot, but you you just don't know what to do next. You've prayed, you're following God, you get to this point, and then it seems like God goes quiet. And you, and you don't know what to do with that family situation or, or, or that church or, or with your money or your marriage or, or, or dating. You, you don't know what's the next right step. And you know if you make a wrong step, it can be crucial and very destructive. Sometimes we're just at a spot where we don't know what to do next. Here's the great news this morning. God wants to guide you. Isn't that wonderful? Man, it's so great. The creator of the universe, God who knows everything, God whose guidance will only be perfect and exact and only for your very best wants to guide you. Did you know that if President Trump wanted to text you today, he could? Did you know that? President Bush, when Bush was in office, he instituted some kind of system 
If you have a smartphone that the president, that would have been Bush, then President Obama, and now President Trump, they can text everybody in America with a smartphone. Is that not incredible? Now, here's what I want to tell you. If you get a text from President Trump, it may have one word, duck, because trouble is coming. They're not going to text you to wish you Merry Christmas, but it amazes me that they have the ability to do that. What amazes me more is that the God who created everything knows you and knows me deeply. And he's just not waiting on a tragedy. He's just waiting on us to ask. He wants to guide us and he wants to lead us. I want to share with you a couple of things about God's leadership that we see in this story that's so relevant to you and me 2,000 years later. Here's the first thing. God leads on his own perfect schedule. How many of you ever get frustrated with God's schedule? How many of you wish honestly that God would lay everything out for you for the next five years? I would settle just for 2020, wouldn't you? Okay, God, if I knew this, this, and this, I would be in good shape. But God leads on his own time and on his own schedule. Let's go back to chapter 1. We go back to chapter 1, verse 20. It says, after Joseph had considered this, he's fixing to divorce Mary, break off the marriage. An angel of the Lord appeared to him. We'll look at that more in a second. How how long had this been? How long did he have to sit and plot and think? And how long was the dead time between when Mary gave him the news and when God spoke up? We don't know. In chapter 2, again, Verse 1 and 2, I won't read it again, but it says that the wise men who had probably traveled thousands of miles, a thousand at least, for many, many weeks and months, they get to a dead end. And then all of a sudden you see in verse 9 and 10, after this interview, the wise men went their way. They saw the star again in the east that guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star They were filled with joy. Wow. In other words, God's schedule was not necessarily Joseph's schedule. God's schedule was not necessarily the wise man's schedule. And as much as you and I would like God to direct us today about what we need to do about that situation, are your life's perfect today and then six months from now when it's not perfect and you need direction and you want God to lead you right now, Please understand this. God leads on his time, which is perfect. There's a reason behind what he does. So part of following God is you've got to be patient because God's going to lead it on his time, which is always perfect and always right. Okay? Here's the second thing of this that is so, 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 so important. God leads by his word. Listen, God leads by the Bible, and he never leads against the Bible. We're going to see in a moment that God leads by dreams, that God leads by people, uh, that, that God, God leads by the Holy Spirit. But what they didn't have to, to go to like we do is a full Bible. And as you seek God's will for your life, that situation, that problem, where the Bible speaks, that's God speaking to you. 
In Psalms 19, 7, listen to what it says. Now, this is true about all of God's instructions, but it's talking about the Bible here. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees, the word of the Lord, are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Folks, when you're seeking God's will, what do I do about this situation? What do I do about the problem? If the Bible tells you what to do, that's God telling you what to do. Amen? Now, I'm not trying to be ugly. Quit praying about it. Quit thinking about it. Quit talking about it. And just do it. Pray that God will help you do it. But just do it. As a pastor, I have seen so many frustrating situations where people come in, and sometimes they're being mean or self-centered or selfish, and God told me this, and God told me that, and I'm here to do this. And, And it's just right against the Bible, and you want to pick up a Bible and hit them on the head. But that's not acceptable in my line of work. So you have to say, praise Jesus, you're wrong and you're dumb. You say that inwardly. If the Bible says it, that's God speaking to you. That's it's clarity. Let it be your boundaries. That's not the only way God speaks, but that's fundamental, and he'll never, ever go against that. Here's the third thing. God can use supernatural means to speak through you. God can, God can use supernatural methods to speak to your heart. Let's look again in chapter 1, verse 20, about Joseph. After he considered divorcing and what to do about Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid. Take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, verse 2, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. We won't look at these right now, but you go down to verse 12 and verse 13. Again, God speaks through a dream. This is what we want. We don't want to have to read our Bibles. That's too hard. We want to say, God, if it's your will that I go to church this morning, may an eagle come down my chimney and lay an Easter egg on my table. And may there be money in that egg. And then I'll know that I'm supposed to go to church. We get silly with it, don't we? And I'm, I'm exa- but I'm not exaggerating it a lot. We do silly stuff like that, don't we? Lord, if you want me to be nicer to my wife, turn her into an armadillo for two minutes. And I will know that is your sign, right? We, that's, how we, that's how we go about things a lot of times. God can and does use supernatural methods. It, it, it's rare. See, we want to sign once a week. And really, when you pray for a sign, that's about once a decade thing. So let me give you some principles on praying for a sign from God. That needs to be very rare. It needs to be in a really crucial, God, I don't know, this is fixing to get bad, I need help situation. And a lot of times, and and, and hear everything I'm fixing to say, because I'm going to use me as an example, a lot of times... When we're praying for a sign, it's because we lack the maturity and the trust in God to listen to Him in other areas. So we need something really, really clear. When I moved to Texas to go to graduate school, I was 22. I was uh, a long way from home. I was lonely, and, and I wasn't getting any chances to preach. I got to preach every weekend in Tennessee. Now I got one in six months. And a, and a friend of mine who was a, got a head football coaching job at a high school and he was going to hire me. And so I could go back to Tennessee and be a coach. And I could pastor on Sundays, small church. And I could maybe go to school occasionally. And that's really what I wanted to do. And I couldn't, man, I just, but I couldn't get a piece of my heart about it. God was telling me, no, I just was too young in the faith to really understand it. So here's what I did. I laid out that supernatural. I said, God, if you want me to stay in Texas, 
give me one opportunity to preach in the next month. I'd preach one time in six, so that's going to be a pretty good sign. And lo and behold, a week later, a week or two later, the Fort Worth Mennonite Church called me and asked me to preach. Now, Mennonites are not, these weren't like the Amish, you know, like in horse and buggies. I mean, they lived, they met in a house that was very nice and dressed like us. What, what had happened was two months earlier, I'd signed up on a board at school. They were looking for people to fill in. I signed up, never heard a word. Shazam. I went and preached for them. They gave me $50 on the way out. I told the guy in charge, uh, I didn't feel like I did that great that morning. He patted me on the back and said, you'll get better. Goodbye. I never heard from him again, but here's what happened. God confirmed in my heart, you need to stay in Texas and get educated because you ain't very good. Now, God, probably, but God was, you ain't very good. Obviously, I failed at the education part. But God confirmed that in my heart. Folks, let me tell you, if you ask God for a sign and he gives it, you better obey it. Signs can happen supernatural, but those need to be the once-every-ten-year things, not today when you pull up at Sonic about what you ordered, okay? Here's a, here's a fourth thing. God will guide you through other people. God speaks through other people. In chapter 2, the wise men, when they got to Jerusalem, they had the supernatural star, but it says, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star, and we have come to worship it. We don't know what to do next, and they ask other people for help. And in verse 4 through 6, Herod called the, the leading religious leaders together and teachers of the law, and he says, where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people over Israel." It, I think it's neat. Now, we have no indication that the religious leaders ever went down there to see Jesus four miles south of that. But they knew from Micah chapter 5, that's an Old Testament book and verse, where he was going to be born. You see, when they got in the bind, they asked other people and they got the help from religious leaders on what to do next. Folks, nothing violates the Bible, but God uses other people to speak to us. If you're lucky enough to have some wise friends or wise parents and godly friends and godly parents or or people, listen to them. They are not perfect. They are not the Bible, but God can speak through them. You go to a small group, God can speak in that small group. You read books hoping to hear something from God. You know what? Even the preaching event right now, we're hoping God's going to use me to speak to you. I know that that may be a, a, a rare thing that happens, but that's part of the reason that we are here. Did you hear the story about the preacher and the lawyer and the doctor that went deer hunting somewhere north of Dubach? The, the preacher and the lawyer were in stands near each other, and a deer came by. They both had 30 all sixes, shooting the same type gun, same type bullets. They shot at the exact same time, and the deer fell. They ran out. There was only one entry room and exit room, so only one bullet hit it. They began to argue about who killed the deer. The doctor came up, examined the deer, and said, I know who, did, who killed it. He said, who? He said, well, obviously the preacher, the bullet went in one ear and out the other. I'll explain that later if you need that explained. Sometimes God is trying to speak to you through his word, and you just don't want to hear it. Sometimes he's trying to speak to you. Maybe something supernatural. You don't want to hear it. Sometimes he's using even your preacher. You just don't want to hear it. 
But God speaks through other people. And here's the last thing on this. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. God will guide us through the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit at this time had not come to live within people. They did not have this wonderful gift that you and I have. They didn't have a full Bible, so the Bible wasn't going to give them direction on some of this. They had to have these supernatural things. What do you do when the Bible's silent on your issue? And it is silent on a lot of issues. What do you do? Some people say if the Bible doesn't address it, don't worry about it. Some people say the only way God speaks is through the Bible. I don't believe that at all. The Bible is the parameters and the boundaries. But in John chapter 14, verse 16 through 18, listen to these wonderful verses. Jesus is fixing to go back to heaven. He goes, I'm going to ask the Father, God the Father, and he's going to give you another advocate. That literally means someone exactly like me who will never leave you. Jesus is going back. I'm going to give you someone exactly like me. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now. Look, and later he's going to be in you. Verse 18. No... I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Can you imagine you had walked the earth with Jesus for three years? He's with you every step of the way. You would have asked him anything. Hey, Jesus, that girl's cute. Should I ask her? No, 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 you shouldn't. She'd never go out with you. Jesus, thanks a lot. You know, I mean, you would ask, wouldn't you have asked Jesus everything? I would have wore him out. Jesus, hot dog or corn dog, what would you, you know, what, what's better for my cholesterol? I would have worn him out. And Jesus wants you to wear him out. But now Jesus is leaving and they're panicking. And he goes, wait a second. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who is just like me. He is God. He's going to come live in you. I'm not leaving you as an orphan. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And just like you've been asking me about everything, you're going to have that available to you. Isn't that great? So you go, I don't know what to do about that family situation. The Bible's not clear or that job. I don't know what to do about my finances. I don't need, know what to do about my kids or my parents. You pray and you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. If you're taking notes, Colossians 3, 5 says, let the peace of Christ rule in you. As I pray about decisions and I ask God, God, give me a peace about what you want me to do and an uneasiness about what you don't. It's amazing. It takes time. It's God's schedule how that I'll get a peace about doing something. I'll get an uneasiness about going the opposite direction. And guys, every time in my life without fail, when I violated that, it has gone bad. God wants to guide you, and he'll guide you through the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the question for the hour, maybe. What do we do with all this? Okay, God wants to guide you. What do you do? What's your part? What's my part? The first thing is this. You've got to be in a right relationship with God. You can't live like the devil and expect the Holy Spirit to guide you. You can't be mean or immoral or do life your own way. And expect God to guide just doesn't work that way. In, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, listen to what it says about Joseph. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. That biblical word good doesn't mean like, hey, you know, he was just, he, you know, bought Girl Scout cookies and was nice to old people. That literally means righteous. It, it doesn't mean perfect. It meant he was right with God. He had a relationship with God, not perfect, but he lived for God. Now, we won't look at the wise men, but by their behavior, one thing we know about them is they were men who sought after God. If you want God to speak to you, you you need to be a Christian who is trying to live for God. 
Don't, don't live how you want to live and be disappointed because you don't hear God. It's amazing. You think about the people in your life that you're closest to. I hope it's your spouse if you're married or certain friends. You hear them and understand them better, don't you, than you do anybody else because your relationship with them. You want God to guide you. God wants to guide you. God's not Santa Claus. Santa's great. God's not Santa Claus. You don't use God. You want God to guide you. It comes from your relationship with Him. Here's the second thing. You've got to be willing and, to, willing and open for God to guide you. You've got to really be open. If I can have your attention for a moment, this is the tripping place for many of us. We know... God knows best. We're not sure that if following God's going to be where we're going to be the happiest because we don't live that way. But it is. Following God's where you're going to be happiest, most fulfilled, most effective, most successful. One thing Joseph had going for him, besides being a righteous man, when he sought God, he was open. He was open to whatever God was going to say. The wise men, when they came looking for, the, the, they they'd lost the star, what do we do next? They really wanted to hear. I want to ask you a question. Do you really want to hear God? Here's what I do. I'm going to be honest with you. There's times if I know I'm going to go and have to pray and God's going to give me something I may not like, I skirt it a little bit. I just don't pray as much about it. I, I make a wise decision. I, I'm smart. i and it's, that's so crazy. See, I've got to seek him. I've got to seek him patiently. But do you think that God knows whether you're open or not? See, you can come talk to me, and I don't know if you're open. If you sit and smile and go, yeah, that's great. I'm going to think that you like me and you're open to what I'm saying. And then you can leave and laugh. You can't fool God. Amen? So I want God to guide me, but whoa. <laughs> i got to weigh out what he's telling me because I'm not sure that it's going to fit in my drawers. How many of you remember a stick shift car or a lawnmower that had gears on it? Do any of y'all remember anything like that? A stick shift car, it just meant that the gears, the transmission's not automatic. You had to do it manually. And you put that car on a flat surface in neutral, you could push it forward or backwards either way, right? Lawnmower, put it in neutral. You could push it forward or backwards either way. When you go to God, God, show me what to do. You've got to get your heart in neutral. You've got to be willing to say, God, whatever it is about this family situation, my marriage, my friendships, my money, my job, whatever it is, God, my heart's in neutral. I'm willing and I want you to lead me. God, I'm open. You lead me. And, and this piggybacks in with this. We've got to be willing to obey it. We have to be willing to obey Him. Can you be open and not willing to obey? It, it, probably. See, Joseph not only wanted to hear, the wise men not wanted, only not wanted to hear, but they were willing to do it. If you go to God, and you're asking God to guide you, which you should be and I should be all the time in our lives. Well, God's going to tell me I need to move. Okay, shut him down and don't listen. Be, be unwilling to hear him. He'll stop talking. God's going to tell me to break up with that person. Shut him down and don't be open and don't be willing to obey him. You know what? God won't talk anymore. 
But you want God to hear, guide you perfectly, you got to be willing to obey. And let me give you the last thing with this this morning. Hearing and obeying God is hard, but it is so crucial. In, in the end of chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, Joseph woke up from the dream. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relationships with her until her son was born. And when the son was born, he named him Jesus. Aren't you glad Joseph obeyed God? And don't, listen, don't sanitize this. Oh, it was going to have to happen. Man, what, then why did God put all this in here like this? And, and don't sanitize this. And make, this wasn't easy. This wasn't fun. It wasn't neat. Everybody else didn't believe the virgin birth. And we won't look at it just for time's sake, but in chapter 2, the wise men find Jesus, and then God shows up in a dream and tells them, you got to go back a different way because Herod's going to try to find out where this baby is and come kill him. And the wise men obeyed God and went back a different way. By doing that, they were putting their necks on the line, but it bought time for Joseph and Mary. And then God speaks to Joseph in Verse 13, in the middle of the night and says, get up right now, real convenient, wake up your wife and your baby, real fun, and leave for Egypt because Herod's coming to kill the baby. And it goes on and it tells us that he did that. Historians say there was 18 to 22-year-old and under babies murdered in Bethlehem at that point. And you say, oh, God was going to protect Jesus, and that would have never happened. Why did it make it in the Bible if it wasn't going to happen? Don't you think it was pretty good that Joseph obeyed God again? You see, you can be bored with this, or you can ignore it. Please don't. Your future, your joy, your happiness... Mom and dad, your kids' happiness, your kids' future, it's wrapped up in you hearing God and you obeying God. You can continue on a path of misery and ineffectiveness or you can start following God to the life he has for you. But it all depends on your willingness to hear God and to obey God. Years ago, in the church in Memphis, Tennessee, a man was a guest preacher. And this was back when preachers sat on the stage. Do any of y'all remember that? Those days when the preacher sat on the stage and you always looked to make sure that their socks, and you know, they couldn't see leg from their socks and you had to have long socks. It was tough. And, and, and it was a different denomination. And so before the service, the people are, the music's playing and the people are praying and, and the guest preacher starts hearing the people say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And finally, he kind of, he elbows the preacher and he goes, what are they doing? He said, they're just telling God ahead of time. We don't know what you're going to say this morning, but we want you to know whatever it is, our answer is God, yes, we're going to hear it, and yes, we're going to obey it. Will we? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I want to talk to you more in just a moment. 
But I want you to say, yes, Lord, today. You, some of you know what it's about. Some of you don't. Say, yes, Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. You've never given your life to Christ. And you're ready to do that today. If you're sincere and ready, pray with me and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to obey God. Some of you just prayed and asked Jesus into your heart. Are you ready to do that this morning? Would you come today and let us help you with that decision? You may not have another opportunity. You've got it right now. We'll talk to you after church if you'd rather do that. But do that today. Maybe God's leading you, whispering in your ear, it's time to join the church. We'd love for you to. You can come right now when we stand and join. Or you can come after church and talk to us. We'd love for you to. But just obey God. You're a Christian. Some of you, you don't know what God's really telling you to do right now. But here's what you need to do. Get in the right spot now to where you're willing to say, God, listen, from this point on, I want to hear you and I want to say yes. Make that commitment. Others of you, you know what God's telling you to do. You know. Maybe it's where you're standing. Maybe at the altar praying with a minister. But you need to say, God, it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But with your help, God, I'm going to say yes. Let's stand. Obey God this morning.